this week on a lively experiment. The verdict is in on the latest standardized test for Rhode Island school children, and it's not good news. And who will the Republicans put up for governor next year? A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with their insights, attorney and former prosecutor Eva Marie Mancuso, Dave Lehman, corporate communications consultant and former television news anchor, and former state representative Nick Gorham. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lively Experiment. I'm Jim Hummel. The results of the Rhode Island Comprehensive Assessment System, known to most of us as RICAS, were worse than many thought they'd be, even adjusted for an expected loss of learning because of the pandemic. It was a lot worse. There was the requisite hand-wringing on Thursday, but this is not a new story. The question is, how do we begin writing some new chapters to this story? Uh, let me begin with the woman who knows a little bit about education. Uh, I'm sure you heard this 10 years ago when you were on the right. board. Uh, is it all pandemic or, or does it go beyond that? No, it's not all pandemic. They've made, so, uh, obviously, a big part of it is, uh, I think even for the parents that were helping children at home um, after after school and doing everything else were challenged this year because they were working from home. So I'd give part of it the pandemic. But it's, it is a, not a new story at all. Uh, we still have many children coming into this, this state and this country that don't speak the language. Uh, we still have children that are homeless. We have children that are disadvantaged, uh, that are latchkey kids that go home so and don't get the assistance at home. Those are systemic problems that we've had in Rhode Island, um, as we say in Italian, from the days of Arigoth. So from the beginning, uh, that's something that we would hear all the time. And we just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But it's not just inner city, Nick. There were, there were some of the suburban communities, too, that saw this drop. So what are your assessment on that? Well, I think the, the COVID influence was um, very strong. I just think that the, the state and Rhode Island is not alone. They just missed on the best policy for teaching kids in a pandemic, um, you know, and the results in the suburban districts, I think, uh, ratify that. But I'll, I agree with Eva yet again. Oh, my goodness. Um, you got to write this down, Dave. Because it, it is that um, there are so many kids coming into not just this country, but especially to Rhode Island, kids who are, they have no education, they do not speak English, they are often in their teens or late teens. How do you teach kids like that? And how, you know, that's... When you got 25 and, kids and, in a classroom. And, right, and, and here's, here's the reason that Rhode Island is uh, worse off than many other states. We offer more inducements for people to come here than just about any other state because we have the best social welfare benefits. And so we're going to get what we ask for. We, we have put out these inducements for people to come here, and lo and behold, they come. And I've said this several times in this on this show. They're blameless. If you offer all these inducements and people come, you can't say, gee, why do we have so many people here who can't speak English and don't have any education at all coming into our school system? So... 
I, uh, I have to agree with, with Nick on this. I've thought about this a lot. One of the things I thought was terrific about Rhode Island in the many years that I've been here is that we are a welcoming community, uh, <clears throat> whether you're wealthy or whether you're, you're poor. Unfortunately, it tends to be more of the opposite, the, the poor. And I think, and I, I've said this to some friends of mine, that the irony is that we are one of the states, because of our size and maybe because of just Rhode Island being Rhode Island, we're probably one of the states that could least afford to be quite so generous. And, and I don't know how you say that without looking like an ogre, but it, it's almost like uh, you know, poor people giving away everything to another poor person, they're all still poor. And, and that bothers me a good deal. I think, I think that needs to be rethought about the inducements because we are small. And we have a lot of other issues. The, the educational issue, Jim, is really an economic issue as well. Uh, it's a social issue. It's an economic issue. I, I don't agree with that. I, I don't think that it's we have to stop people at the borders from coming in. I think we have the resources here. I think they have to be better aligned with what the needs are in Rhode Island. And, by the way, the good news is we're going to have $415 million dollars that are coming into it. So we know where that money needs to go um, in terms of the education plight because we have to have teachers that teach in, in certain languages. We have to have people that work even as aides in the schools that are in those languages, that speak those languages so that the kids, first of all, feel comfortable, they have self-esteem, and then they also can learn our language, uh, you know, moving forward. So I do think that we have the resources. I think we, they just have to be better aligned with what our needs are. You know, uh, in a perfect world, uh we would all give everything we could possibly give to others to make sure uh, that everybody's okay. But when, when it's a relative thing, uh, when you're just attracting so many people that your state is overwhelmed, I think you have to reconsider some of these initiatives. Of course, uh, you know, and I, I, I agree, it, 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 makes, it makes you sound miserly to say that we've got to, to balance this, but we really do. I, I think that's a truth that Rhode Island has just never encountered. And, you know, the fact is that um, whether you like it or not, the Biden administration has opened up the borders. There are more people coming here than ever. And I don't think that portends good things for Rhode Island because uh, I think we're just going to have more kids who come here who are in their teens. They have no education. They don't speak, they don't speak English. And... Uh, they require massive resources. You know, the larger issue, though, is uh, Commissioner Fonte Green was brought here two years ago. And, I mean, it seems like a decade ago, right? And it was to address a lot of this statewide. Well, what happened? The Johns Hopkins report, and then all the air got sucked out of the room by Providence, and then the pandemic. So you can't really, I know she's got, you know, the report card's going to be out on her ultimately, but I wonder all those things she wanted to do. Do we just give her a two-year mulligan and now we start? Because I just wonder in the long run whether some of this systemic stuff. Deb Gis got run out the door after, yeah. you know, the whole right. standardized tests and all yeah. that. Linda Borg did a great story in the journal about how Massachusetts, and I always hate to, you know, to compare us, kept their eye on the ball for two decades and didn't waver. That's now, right. you were right in the middle of some of that policy. I was there. <laughs> I was there. We were this close. We were this close to having a... A graduation requirement. And then the General Assembly got involved. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Got to be tremendously Absolutely. frustrated. Yeah. Well, Stealing. I, 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 take, I take issue with you on this, that, that we have the resources. 
city of Providence, just as an example, and it's, it's a good example and a bad one at the same time, their pension fund is 22, 22% uh, funded. It should be at least 80% funded. Uh, I mean, that's a huge, and now there's talk about taking some of this federal money and giving it to, to, to solve the pension problems in Providence. If you do that, that means money is not going to go to some of the systemic needs that really need to be taken on because, you know, we are behind the eight ball. I mean, we, we often get compared to Massachusetts because they're our neighbor. Very, there are similar demographics in some ways. So it could be a fair comparison, but we just don't have we don't have it together. We don't have the industry. We don't have uh, the high-tech industry. Uh, the I 195 corridor was supposed to be that. It's not. I mean, there are a lot of things that are wrong, and I don't think we've got the. I really don't think we have the money in order to serve all of the needs of the people who are coming in. I personally wish we did. I just think. I just think this needs to be a shared responsibility, and I think Rhode Island has taken on way too much because it can't afford it. Eva. Yeah, I, you know, we have to just agree to disagree because I think that if you look at how much money we put into education and the pensions system's different than, than the school piece and in, in the education, the amount of money that we put into education, I think the money is there. We just have to step back and do things differently in the way we teach, in the way we present material, in the way that we do it. And I think Commissioner Infante Greens, she's on the right track. And I do think that we should give her we should give her a little bit of a pass. As to the suburban schools, I believe that the suburban schools is a direct result of people working at home mm. because parents just didn't have time. You know, they were putting, I have, I have um, not friends because my friends' kids are all out, but people in the neighborhood that said, you know, for the first time, my child had to be in a different room doing school on TV and I was working in the other room. Uh, so I think that the, the decline in the suburban schools has a lot to do with the uh, parental influence um, not being there that they were in the past. All right. The news that didn't happen this week, nobody announced for governor. It's amazing. <laughs> we have every week on the show, it's somebody new. Well, uh, Dave's here. It's, well, you know, and it's Nick's still, here, it, so you never know. And the announcement's not until, uh, until June. Um, Dave, let me begin with you. It's a crowded field uh, on the Democrat side. We're waiting. We had Sue Sienke a couple of weeks ago. She said they have a, a, a candidate. We don't know who that's going to be. Whoever that is, and I guess it depends on who the person, do the Republicans have a shot with the Democrats beating each other up, or is that a oh, I, shot? I, I don't, I'm sorry, Nick, you're not going to like this. I don't think they've got much of a shot, period, right now. It, first of all, if they can't even come Nick up with a candidate. I agree with you, it, but go it, ahead. It, 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 <laughs> I'm they, thinking. <laughs> uh, I, I, think the, uh, I think it's going to be a tough battle for them, and I think I saw the program that Sue was on, and I think, I, I almost wondered if she really did have somebody in mind. She did say that they do, but it, they're not that, quite ready Who was going to be announced by late September. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, it, it's a struggle. I mean, you know, uh, being a Republican in, in Rhode Island is, is a tough tough way to go no matter what. And uh, But but they can do it. Don Kircheri is a good example. Uh, you know, he was a Republican. Uh, others have been... You Lake Common, Dupree. Yeah, Dupree, you name it. So it can be done. But it really takes a unique set of circumstances uh, to, to make that happen. And uh, that, that probably the best thing that for the Republicans is that the Democrats are going to beat themselves up with How all their candidates. How tough is it being a Republican in this state, Nick? Well, I, I enjoy it. Um, I, you know, it's you have to get used to being... The, Cocktail parties the, in a phone <laughs> booth, that type of thing. <laughs> 
Um, I think Buddy Cienci with the uh, circular firing squad probably had, had it best. But look, um, question, what elects Republican governors? Answer, nasty, populated Democrat primaries for governor. Now, let me just see. I had to write this down. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Munoz, Mr. Brown, Ms. Gorbea, Ms. Folks, Governor McKee, and Treasurer... Magazine? Magaziner, excuse me, Secretary of State Gorbea. Yes. Um, that's a crowded field. And what happens to the benefit of the Republican governor, as happened with uh, White House York primary, uh, Don Carcieri. Um, and Jim Bennett. They and had, Jim Bennett. Yeah. Well, they had their own, but right. it, wasn't, it wasn't as brutal as the Democrat primary. And... Uh, Governor Carcieri won. If you go back to Almond, it, it was the same thing. He also had a primary, but the the Democrat primary was tougher. Yeah, and the Joe Walsh, Anthony Solomon. Remember There's, that was the yeah, that was a blood. That's bath. the paradigm, and yeah. they only had two. Yeah. So what you wish for as a Republican candidate, I would think, is to have the winner of the five, if they all stay in, stagger across the finish line <laughs> and nearly collapse in September. And you're standing there in the middle as the centrist who can help Rhode Island and save the state. And this other person who has just staggered across the finish line has been all over the map on everything. Uh, and lots of negative ads run against them. So... Don't ask me about being a Republican of the state. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I'm, think that I, I worry about exactly what Nick just said is that it's too important for us and listen I haven't been quiet about it um, I think Dan McKee is a great governor I think he's steady he's slow he's thoughtful about everything that he does and um, quite frankly I I I hope that he comes out of this um, as the as the primary candidate. I don't think he'll run the kind of campaign that you're talking about, Nick. Now, whether other people run it, um, which oh, they've already kind of started, always consultants. consultants. No matter how yeah. high a road you want to take, somebody's going to go. But low. you know what? I, I and I always say that even in my own campaign in '98. Um, I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but I regretted that I listened to going negative because I didn't feel comfortable with it. And when you're in the middle of it, it's that this is your way to win, you know? And I don't see, you know, 70-year-old, you know, thoughtful Dan McKee taking any consultant's advice to be somebody he's not. Um, he certainly hasn't to this point. I watch the way he thinks. He's the same deliberative mayor and lieutenant governor as he is as governor. So um, I don't see that happening. But, hey, you never know. They're already well, started to take you know, shots. But, but time, time heals a lot, and videotape lasts forever, though. That's the balance of it. You wonder how much the ILO, the ILO contract, and Tony Silva and some of those things are going to jam him up. Now, we're in October and not June, July, and August. But what do you think about that? Well, the thing that, that I struggle with, if all five stay in, and I don't think they, they will, but let's say if they do, you're going to end up with, some, with a primary that uh, somebody could emerge as the candidate with only 20, 25% of the vote. Mm. So that person walks into the general election without, let's say, not exactly with a mandate because they only got a limited number of votes and then they're going to go against a Republican. If the Republican candidate turns out to be a fairly strong candidate, ah, now it's suddenly the clouds open and the sunlight goes through for the Republicans. But uh, I don't think you'll see all five of these stay in. One other point I'll mention, 
because the Providence Journal has become, as Buddy Sanchez used to refer to it as the pamphlet, because it's relatively thin, have very few reporters now. The Journal used to do a great job over the years, and you know that, Jim, you were with the Journal for many years. They did a great job in, in, in pulling out the candidates, questioning them, profiling them and all of that. You don't see that now, and you don't see it on a repetitive basis as the Journal did. Without the Journal's influence and then reflected by television news and, and talk radio, there's not a lot of visibility here for a lot of these people. Uh, so, so somebody who's, uh, who's not a high-visibility person is really going to have to have the money to do television ads and, and Internet uh, ads and so forth. This is a real change. This is a seismic change in election politics in Rhode Island especially. Well, from the Republican perspective, this is kind of like uh, two people stranded on an island and they have a can of beans and, and, they, and one of them says, well, let's, uh, the economist says, let's assume we have a can opener. Um, in the Republican Party right now, we don't have a can opener. So, um, Susie and that's a problem. Go get a can opener. So, well, uh, I, let me, let me, uh, talk about something, and it's a, it's a segue into some of the materials that we read for today. When I look at um, the AP poll that went out on Biden, and I looked at, at that, and not really at the numbers, the results of the numbers, because I wasn't surprised with anybody, but I saw that 23% had no opinion, and fewer <laughs> than half say that they knew what they were even talking about. <laughs> and that told me... The window into where at, we are, isn't looking it? Looking at the AP poll, it shows that those of us that are in the game, right, the yeah. ones that are us that are in the room, yeah. uh, we pay attention to this stuff. The regular world, the voters, have to be educated. And you're absolutely right, Dave. That's all about the almighty buck and how you can get on TV, how you can get in the, in the media. Sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's positive, what have you. But that, to me, when I was reading through the poll last night, I said to myself, it's not the result. It's, oh, my goodness. They call somebody and say, how do you not know about, about this? It's been on every news station. We used to do those polls at Channel 6, and, like, 5% of the people didn't know who the governor was. I went, where do you live? <laughs> like, you don't even know what their name is. Right. So right. it shows we are plugged in. A lot of people right. are not. Right. If you take those five names that uh, that Nick just mentioned and you took pictures of those people and you showed them to uh, a focus group, you know, randomly picked people from the community, uh, I will bet you that most of them couldn't identify Sounds who, like a Jimmy Kimmel who, skin. who they were. Right. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since um, Governor McKee has only been governor for a short time and he was a very, you know, respectfully to him, he was a very quiet uh, lieutenant governor. So yeah, we really have a group of five people who uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of social media, though. Just last question, well, and I agree with that because it's kind of gone that way. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the uh, with the openings. Helena Folks basically announced on, you know, sitting in her room with an iPad. It's not the balloons and the answering of the questions. Joe Paolino had an interest. He was sitting in your seat a couple of weeks ago. He said, we really need to move toward the the ultimate winner gets 50%, mm -hmm. however you get to it, ranked choice or whatever. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree with that. And I have worked, and I think Louisiana has that uh, same stipulation. You were down there for a while. I was there, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, it, I think it makes sense because otherwise... I don't think the Republic or the state or the Commonwealth is served very well when you've got somebody who goes into a, a, an election with, you know, 25 percent of the vote because of a crowded field. 
uh, I think I think it, it ought to be that. I, I saw that program as well. I thought Joe was right on the money with that. Well, and, go ahead. Constitution says a plurality right yeah. now. So, so you'd have to change that. You'd have to change that. Uh, well, plurality in, is not but a majority. In, but, but until Gina Raimondo won her second election, she won with left, less than 50%. So did Link, yep. uh, Chafee, and Cianti was the master of that, right, in the yeah. three-way race. All right, let's do this. I do want to get to some national stuff. Let's do uh, outrages uh, or kudos. Let's start with you, Ms. Mancuso. What okay, do you so I have, I have a kudos. I went, um, I'm a season ticket holder to most of our theater in Rhode Island, and I went to a live You get up and sing along with the musicals, I right? I really Is don't. Is that true? I really don't, but I do in the car on the way <laughs> okay. going home, and two, you know? Um, I actually took my granddaughter this summer to um, to Mamma Mia at um, Theater, by, at the theater by the Sea, and yeah. oh my goodness, I had the music going on the way down and the way back and what have you, and of course she was like, what's the name of that song again? <laughs> but anyway, I went to a lie agreed upon at the GAM um, the first time that they've been um, with a full audience. Uh, last week. It was fabulous. Um, it's a little bit of a long play, uh, but boy, it was great. The acting was great. And just to be back in our small theater again, it's really why, I mean, it's really why we love Rhode Island. There's yeah. so many little places like that. So that's um, to all of the actors um, out there that are going back in to work um, at a time when it's still, it's still precarious. Um, you know, we wore masks and what have you, but it's still precarious. So to all of those, um, that's my kudos. Yeah, that's a great kudos. Dave, what do you have? Um, just a little tip of the hat to the National Grid. My sense is that National Grid has stepped up its game when it, when it responds to outages, when we've had these storms, that we've, especially the last couple of years. Uh, they often get criticized. I think that there's been a, a change in the way they've been dealing with this. I know some people will disagree, especially if they're people who still don't have their power back, but most of the power is back on. Uh, you know, that's a tough job, and we've covered it, you've covered it over the years. Uh, these people are out there sometimes in, in very dangerous circumstances trying to put power back on before the storm is even over, even though they can't be out there if it's more than 35 mile an hour winds. But I think National Grid has uh, stepped up its game, and I think uh, I think they should be recognized for that. That's good. Nick, what do you have? Outrage or kudos? Uh, just an outrage uh, this this week. Um, I I think the uh, the results of the the school study are an outrage. I th but more more profoundly, uh, if I can be profound, uh, I think our education system is a reflection of our state. And, and where our state is at. And I go back to what uh, Dave and I were talking about. We do not have the resources to do all the things that we try to do. And we have to start balancing what we have with what we can do. And we haven't. We just keep going on and on, trying to do too much with too little. And the education system is suffering as a result of that, particularly in Providence and some of the other urban areas. We need to do something about that. Yeah, and Linda Borg's story, and I commend you to read it in the journal, she talked about what's the most important thing when people are coming to a state, when you're trying to attract business, you're trying to attract whatever. What, what's your education? It's all education. What's your education system? It's all education, yeah. that's, that's number one. Um, you know, I, I have to um, also give kudos to, um, to Speaker Sakachi, um, and his comments about what to do now with this 32 million um, 
well, the 32 million that that Governor McKee has proposed, but all the money that's coming into the state. You know, he said for every dollar that he has, ten dollars has been requested because right. everybody everybody right. needs something. And oh. you know, to me, that's the easy way. It's just like anything else. It's like when you're. It's like when you're running your own family, your own household. Yeah, having more money is great. Then you don't have to make decisions, but you have to make some hard decisions. And I think where where I and Nick and Dave disagree is that I see the decisions being made um, globally in our state as as wasted resources in some areas. I think we're too high at administrative costs. I think we need to put more money, more boots on the ground, more people in the classrooms, more people of people that speak the language, people that do the work in the classrooms um, to spend more money to do it that way. I think we need longer school days. We need to pay teachers more. You know, teachers get such a bad rap in our state because they, well, they want this and they want that. Listen, we, if you're going to work a full day, and you're going to do, you're going to get paid for it. That's what we do. This is, that's what our, we do in our Let's country. Let's do quickly, and I, may, I want to do a lively extra on the national stuff, but let me talk about the federal stimulus money, because Dave, you and I had a back and forth on this. It, you know, the irony was, and I've said this several times on this show, Gina Raimondo had, she decided everything last year about where it's going to go. Now there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, the Rhode Island Foundation and the governor and the legislature and everything else. And there's this deliberate process. We're the only ones who haven't gotten any money out the door yet. And it's now got to go through the General Assembly. So I know you have concerns about it's, it, it's is it like the end of a General Assembly session, ultimately how it gets rolled out? Yeah, I, they say we, you know, we want to hold back. We want to think this through and all that. Now, in normal circumstances, you know, that certainly is a, a wise thing to do. Uh, in this case, I think the money should have been out the door sooner because in the targeted need, areas. In tar yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Targeted areas. My concern is this is a huge payday. Think about this. This is a huge payday for the General Assembly in some ways because they're going to help control and largely control where the money is going to go. When you do that, you're putting an awful lot of money into, into the legislative hands, and very often that doesn't get spent well. It gets spent with favoritism. It is not well thought out. And I hope this time they're going to take, if they are going to take some time to, to decide where this money should go. I hope it's done for the betterment of the state and not for the betterment of the politics involved in the state, because very often these become political funds and not social funds. I think that, with all due respect, I think that's a real old way of looking at it. I think that's that's an old way from 30 years ago. And I look at uh, Governor McKee's $32 million for small businesses. He has said, this is what, let's take this small mm -hmm. amount and let's get it out but there now. But that has to be approved for, by the legislature, and they're not in a rush to convene. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that it's a, I don't ever think it's a bad thing with this type of money. It's a one-time approach to be deliberate about it. I just I just think it's that important. Um, we, we have one time to do this. Let's get it right. Let's not just sit down and, and say, okay, well, this person needs it now, and this person needs it now, what have you. Um, I well, think why we, is we it other states that have been able to hand out the money or to disperse the money uh, into areas that they think are thoughtful? Why, why, why is a smallest state? This, this state, one of the advantages of being the smallest state is that you can get things done if you really want to quickly. Nick, I'm sorry to short you. You get the last 30 seconds. And sure. then we're going to do a lively extra. Um, I, I agree with Dave. I think there's a, there's a bit of a, a dispute, not dispute, but uh, tension perhaps between the branches uh, juxtaposed on a five-way gubernatorial race 
and two of which uh, participants are state officers. Uh, the General Assembly has its opinion of how the money should be spent. Uh, their governor left and went to Washington, all due respect, and a new governor came in. It's just delaying everything. And then, hey, come January, it's a whole new world because the governor's race officially begins. All right, I got to hold you right there, folks, but it's not over yet. We've got some national things to get to, a lot going on in Washington. So if you can, join us right now online at ripbs.org lively. If you can't, Dave and Eva and Nick, stick around for overtime, but the rest of you come back here next week as a lively experiment continues. We appreciate you watching. Have a great week. experiment is generously underwritten by for more than 30 years a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders I'm John Hazen White jr. and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS